Well, good morning. Well, it's such a blessed morning. But what we got to talk about this morning is not a popular subject. It won't have you dancing up and down the aisles and shouting the name of Jesus. But it's something that we really need to talk about. And you know, we've been talking, we continue to series about winning people based on the book by John C. Maxwell. And it cultivates our relationship based on biblical principles. So since we're going to be so serious and getting way down, into, way down in the weeds and it might rub people the wrong way, let's start with a lighter side this morning. Everybody knows Bubba. Everybody knows Bubba. So Bubba told his boss, he said, you know, everybody knows me, boss. Everybody knows me. The boss didn't believe him. He said, Bubba, I don't believe everybody know you. Name somebody, Bubba, that, that, you, that know you that, that's pretty famous. He said, well, I know John Travolta. He said, I don't think so. So they rode down to Florida. Bubba and the boss got out the car. John Travolta came out the house. Bubba, what you doing down here? You should have called me. We would have went out or something. So the boss said, well, maybe he do know a lot of people. Bubba, who else you know? He said, well, I know President, I know President Obama. Say said, you do? They went up to D.C. So uh, Bubba was sitting out, was, was outside and President on the East Line, saw Bubba in the crowd. Hey, Bubba, what you doing up here in D.C.? You should have told me you was coming. The boss looked at Bubba and said, well, maybe he's right. Maybe he do know everybody. He said, Bubba, who else do you know? He said, well, I know the Pope. Well, they went on to, went, went on to uh, uh, um, Italy. So Bubba said, well, you know what? I can't just walk up there with the Pope, but I know all the guards. So Bubba said, talk to the guards, and the guards got him up. He said, what I'll do, I'll go up and I'll, and I'll go out go on the balcony with the Pope. So Bubba got the guards, and sure enough, the boss looking at the balcony, and the Pope and, the, and, and Bubba stand on the balcony. Then Bubba finished his little thing, waving at the people, and came back down, and his boss was laying on the ground, paramedics all around him. So Bubba said, boss, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? He said, I could handle you up there with the Pope. But when this guy walked by saying, who is that guy standing with Bubba on, 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 on the banister? <laughs> 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 then I couldn't take that one. <laughs> so let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you. Father, we declare we have ear to hear. Father, our hearts is open to what you are saying to us on this day, Father. Father, let our relationships, Father, be based on your word. Let the words we say, Father, will permeate and, and, and cause things to happen, that we can actually win with people based on your biblical principles. And, Father, we thank you. We give you all praise and all glory and all honor for all these things being so. In Jesus' name. Now, this not, might not be you, but you probably know somebody that want to win every argument and every discussion. It might not be you, but you probably know somebody. This might not be you, but you know somebody that cannot take no for answer and overreacts to every situation and make a mountain out of mohill regardless of what it is. It may not be you, but you probably know somebody. So these are folks with strong personalities. They seem to use a hammer to remedy every problem in their life. Regardless of what it is, they take a hammer to, uh, to remedy that situation. Some of them, we take a hammer to swat a fly off your head. <laughs> now, this is the hammer principle. And that's what we'll be discussing this morning, on how we use, we manipulate people, and we try to always win 
Winning is good. Don't, 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 don't get me wrong. Winning is good. But you have to also think about the consequences of your winning, especially if you're in a marriage situation. You might be a spokesman and you might be able to use words bigger than your spouse. And, and every time you get an argument, you somehow win and belittle them. Then what's going, what is that going to do in the long run? It'll cause dissension in the marriage. It will cause hurt in the marriage because now you're putting somebody second to you because you have this ability and you have a strong personality. So this morning we're going to talk about the hammer principle and how we can overcome the hammer principle. It might not be you, but you know somebody that, that, that works with this hammer principle. Um, I have a coworker, and he's, uh, he's almost what I described. He comes to work, man, everything that you say, boy, he's already done it. And everything you do, he's already done it better. And everything you talk about, he said, okay, uh, 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 we, we, we can make this better. Or everything he does, he always try to make the other person look bad. Because the only way you can look good is to make the other person look bad. And that's what he always does. And you know, you, I, I, I go into work and I go into work with an open mind. Because these kind of people you have to pray for. You have to take that to God. So that you can say the right things at the right time, regardless of what's going on. Because he said, pray for folk like this. And you know, I just, uh, I just go to work and I, and, I, and I set the atmosphere. Because if you don't set the atmosphere, then well, what do you do? You leave to someone else to set it. So when I go in, I say, every day I walk into work and say, the day is a good day. So every day we're here is a good day. Then if tomorrow I'm, if, if tomorrow I'm not here... It's even a better day because I'll be with him. So you set the atmosphere. You set the tone at your work, and you get past these people. I'm, it might not be you, but you know somebody that got these strong attitudes and these strong personalities. So we have to set the tone. And there's four T's that we have to use to temper the strong personalities that, that these people incline to use a hammer in every situation in their life. The first T is total picture. You have to get the total picture before you make any decisions or before you say anything. It was this one middle-aged guy that went into a bar. And he walked up to the bartender and he said, uh, Man, do you have anything that can cure the hiccups? Immediately the bartender reached behind the bar and slapped him with a rat rag right across his face. He said, Man, what did you do that for? He said, You don't have the hiccups anymore. He said, I never did. I was coming to ask for my wife. She's sitting down in the car. <laughs> so because she did not have the, true, full, the full story, he jumped to conclusions. Yeah. And a lot of times we do the same thing. We always jump to conclusions. And let's go to uh, the scripture, James 1 and 19. So dear my beloved brother, let every man be swift to hear slow to speak, and slow to wrath. See, we have to consider that. When, when, when we are faced with situations, we have to consider, you know, what to say and what to do. Because we have to be so slow to speak until we find out the full situation. Several times I've done a lot of things over again because I didn't sit down and listen to the full story. You know, you always got this preconceived thing in your mind. 
Someone says something and you already complete the sentence and go start doing it before it's over with. Then come back and say, well, I didn't want you to do that. Well, I thought, but we never got the full story. Always get the full story before you make any kind of decision or any actions. A good practice is to listen, ask questions, listen again, ask more questions, listen some more, then respond. That is a very good practice. My wife don't have a problem out of that. Because, man, she will question you to no end. Well, how do you think that's going to work? Well, have you thought about this? Well, how do you think this going to work? So she don't have a, a lot of people have problems with that. But in order to not use the hammer principle, you have to ask questions. You have to understand what, 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 what they're saying to you. And don't jump to conclusions. In Proverbs 18 and 13, He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is a folly and a shame to him. Because a lot of times you can jump to conclusions like the bartender, slapping slapping the guy across the face with a red rag because he thought he had the hiccups. But he didn't forget the full story. And it was a folly to him. Because everyone looked at him and had to laugh because the bartender made that kind of mistake. So always get the full story. The second one, timing. Now, this is very important. A general that orders a battle at the wrong time is in jeopardy because he will probably lose that battle. A person that has wronged someone and hurt someone if you don't apologize at the right time, he'll lose that friendship or lose that relationship. So it was one quote, and I want to bring up that quote, and I thought it was so good. And it says, the real order conversation is not only to say the right thing in the right place, but to leave unsaid the wrong thing at a tempting moment. And you know how we all are. Man, I wish I could have told them how I felt right then. But that's not the right time to do it. Because what you would do, you only, you only exacerbate the, the situation. You'll make it worse. But you know human nature says, man, I wish I could hammer him right now because I know, why, I know what I feel and how I want to make him feel. I want him, I want him to know how I feel. But it's the wrong time. Always think about what you're going to say. A lot of times you have to back up and say, Holy Spirit, what do I do in this situation? What do I do in this situation? Uh, Boston Celtics, K.C. Jones, he always had a habit at the end of the game when someone either missed a winning shot or, or they made a bad play to cause the team to lose the game. He would be the first to run over and say, man, don't worry about it. You know, we still got your back. He would do that to er- in every situation where the person is hurt. Then one of those players finally t- asked him, said, why don't you go and congratulate them when they make the winning shot? He said, I don't need to congratulate them then. He got 20,000 fans hollering, saying, hey, hey, he's getting high fives everywhere he go. He don't need me then. He need me when he's at his lowest. When he's at his lowest, that's when I need, that's the perfect time to say, we're with you. I got your back. 
So a lot of times we don't need to be cheered on because we get that from, 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 from our actions that, that, that we've just completed. But when we're at our, at our lowest, that's when we need that friend. And that's when the paper person with the hammer principle have to really know and speak to the Holy Spirit about what do I need to do now? It's time to lift that person up. Amen. And there's two questions you have to ask yourself. That's why it's so important to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. You have to ask, am I ready to confront him? Because if he hurt you, you still got those feelings inside of you. You still got that feeling, I want to tell him a piece of my mind. So you got to ask yourself, am I ready to confront him? But most importantly, is the other person ready to hear? Because you might be ready to speak your mind, but is that person ready to receive what you have to say? So it's two important questions you have to ask yourself when you get in those situations. The third, tone. How we say things and the tone of voice that we use. You know, people respond to our attitudes and actions more than our words. You know that saying that actions speak louder than words? It does. When we use anger, it's used toward us, respond with gentle kindness. Because a gentle word would ease that kindness. It, 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 would, it would diffuse the situation. So we always have to, the tone we use, we have to be temperate in our tone. In Proverbs 15 and 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So when people are angry at us and, 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 and scream at us, we have to come back and use that soft tone so we can ease that anger. The next one, temperature. Man, what can happen when tempers, when tempers flare? Just think about what can happen when tempers flare. Sometimes people even get away from the hammer principle when, when tempers flare. And they start dropping bombs when a slingshot would work. Because they'd be over the top because of anger. So you have to back out of that situation and decide what's the best thing to do instead of adding fuel to the fire. Two things will happen when you're angry. And if your reaction is above what the action is. If the reaction is worse than the action, the problem usually increases. If the reaction is less than the action, the problem usually decreases. So if you react to something and you make it a, a, a big thing, a mountain out of molehill, then the, 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 the reaction, the action, going to seem a lot worse because of your reaction to the problem. So you always have to temper that down. In Proverbs 29 and 11, a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. See, you can be mad and you can vent on a situation where maybe somebody uh, left a door open. Nothing stolen, nothing missing. But you go into work and, man, you raise all kind of sand about it. Well, why you leave this door open and chew them up one side and down the other? 
So what did that cause? That caused more hate and discontent. When a kind word was saying, okay, let's not let that happen again. You know, fix the situation and not let it happen again. Don't use a hammer in every situation or every conflict you have in your life. You know, you need to take that hammer and trade it in for, uh, for a velvet glove. Trade your hammer in. And you do it by doing several things. And the first, let the past stay in the past. You know, these two, uh, two gentlemen was talking. And one said, you know, my wife is historical. He said, historical? Do you mean hysterical? He said, no, she's historical. I said, what do you mean by that? Every time we have a conflict, she reminds me of everything I ever done in all my life. Every bad thing I ever done, she reminds me of it. So she's historical. He said, well, you know, a lot of times, things, when you remind people things, it open old wounds. It open old wounds. So you should never, you should solve the problem as it comes. And once that problem is solved, don't bring it back up. You know, be like our God that throw it into the sea of forgetfulness. Because every time you bring something up that has happened in the past, you're just aspirating the problem. You're making it worse. Because we got to go all through this whole thing all over again on something that you solved three or four months ago. So let it go. And you know, when we, when we, uh, when we do things like this, we leave ourselves open because the conflict that's already been solved only makes things worse when you got to talk to them all over again or you got to hear them all over again. Well, I know, I know I did that, but that's in the past. I've been forgiven for that. If God forgives me for it, then how we have the right to bring it back up? We don't have the right to bring it back up. And number two, you have to ask yourself, is my reaction part of the problem? Do I overreact to things? You know, because a lot of times we can make a mountain out of molehill. And a lot of times you don't know this. It was one gentleman, he, was, uh, he worked on Wall Street. And they said, well, he was a hammer on Wall Street. He did everything he could on Wall Street to make people's life miserable. And one of his coworkers said, uh, well, what do you do at home? He said, well, at home, I'm, I'm, I'm a gentle pussycat. He said, okay, let's call your wife and ask her. So they both got on the phone and called the wife, and the wife said, man, he make life miserable at home. But he didn't know. He thought at home he was just a this gentle pussycat, and also his kids said the same thing. A lot of times, I think Pastor C.A. brought up last week, we have to look in the mirror. We have to look at ourselves first. Are we part of the problem or are we part of the solution? We don't know if we're making a mountain out of molehill. You know, because it's, it's the way you've always been. It might not be you, but somebody you know. So, you know, we have to ask ourselves, are we part of the problem? The third thing, remember the actions are remembered long after words are forgotten. People always remember the actions. 
Everyone here probably graduated high school. You went up there, back of Lord's service, whatever. They read everything on the paper. You know, you walk across, you, you walk, you walk across the, uh, the stage and, and you got your paper. Not one of you can remember actually what was said at that back of Lord or what was on that paper. But I guarantee you, everyone, everyone you remember that you walked across that stage and you got that paper in your hand. The same with marriage. Not, you might not remember the vows that you made standing, standing in front of that altar. You might not remember every word that was said, but you do know how you felt when you received that bride or, 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 or you, when you got married. You remember the action. See, um, an image in the mind cannot be erased. So however you act at that moment would always stick with that person because that image is etched in their mind. Because what you say, they might forget what you said, but they'll never forget on how you act and what reaction you had to that problem. Number four, and this is so important, never let the situation mean more than the relationship. We've had so many families ruined. So many marriages ended in divorce. So many sons not talking to fathers. So many daughters not talking to mothers. Simply because we let the situation be more important than the relationship. And every time I think about it, I just have a, a heavy heart on how things happen that we let small things get in the way and pride get in the way that we can't sit down and talk about the problem or we can't, or we can't solve the issue. We let our issues and our situations above our relationships. And we lose a lot of friends like that. Friendships, where people won't talk to you anymore because of what you did or what you said and you put that situation above the relationship. Now, all of us can think about, I mean, think back and, 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 and say in our mind, well, I ain't going to talk to him no more. You see how he treated me? How many can look back in your mind and, and see and seeing at, a, at a time when you, when you made that statement? That I'm not going to get involved with that person anymore because the way he treated me. That way we just killed the relationship because we put the situation above the relationship. Number five, treat loved ones with unconditional love. Everyone we love need to be treated with an unconditional love. First Corinthians 4, I'm going to start at the fourth verse. And everyone knows this is a very familiar scripture. Love suffers long and is kind. Loves to not envy. Loves to not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Bears all things. Believe all things. Hope all things. And endure all things. 
love for our family. The ones we love should be unconditional. Just as Jesus Christ loved us, the love we have for our family should be unconditional. And I think the pastor was talking about this morning how, how our love for our family is secondary to the love that God has for us. Just think the way that our Heavenly Father loves us and the way that we feel about our family, feel about our kids, feel about our wife, our, our husband, our, 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 our kin. Just think about how you feel about them. And then think about the way the Heavenly Father feels about you. Our love is secondary to the way the Father feels about us. Because he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Just for us. Treat the loved ones with unconditional love. Number six. Admit wrongs and ask for forgiveness. You know, it's oftentimes... uh, we get so stubborn in our relationships that we hate to re- admit when we are wrong. And be- better than that, we hate to uh, ask for forgiveness. Because when you ask for forgiveness, you're saying that you were wrong. So a lot of times we got the two playing against each other. Well, I'm not going to admit that I'm wrong. I'll forgive them, but I'm not going to admit I'm wrong. Well, how can you admit you're wrong if you if you going to forgive them? Or vice versa. You can't have one without the other. You have to go. The, the word says if you got an ought with your brother and you bring in an offering, it says you have to lay that offering at the altar, go back to your brother and reconcile before you offer it up to God. Because guess what? That offering is not going to be received because you have ought against your brother. And it's the same thing on you not forgiving them. I mean, that, that, you, you're, that, that, that you don't admit, admit your wrong and then ask for forgiveness. If you got an art against your brother, square that away and then come back with your offering. Or if you have done, if you wronged somebody, admit that you wronged them. Look, I am sorry, I did this wrong, and I ask for your forgiveness. Because if you don't forgive, the scripture said the Heavenly Father will not forgive you. So you have to forgive. Admit wrongs. I'm going to go to 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7. Because this is the way we have to live our lives. Start at the fifth verse. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtual knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. See, when we add all these things to our faith, the last thing we wind up with is brotherly kindness and love. And you have to live this every day. It can't be something you put on the shelf and then come pick up at a later time. This should be our lifestyle. This should be the way a believer lives his life based on the word. You know, we've seen how 
the strong personality always uses a hammer and how we can mitigate that through, 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 the, through, these, uh, through these seven, seven things that you have to do to, to mitigate that problem. But you know, it's also another principle called the elevator principle. And what the elevator principle does, it, you can either bring a person up or you can bring a person down. And it's nothing like the devil made me do it or I don't treat this person right because uh, uh, I don't like the way he look at me or I don't like the way he talk. But it's up to us as believers to always be that balance. He said that we are the salt of the earth. So we have to lift people up and not bring them down. We have to be that, 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 that wind beneath the wings. Because if we don't do it, if the believer don't do it, who would do it? And there's four kinds of people in the world. There's four kinds of people when it comes to relationships. The first, we can enjoy them. Those are the people that bring something to life. In Galatians 6, 9, and 10. He said we can't be worrying well-doing. We can't be worrying. We got to do good every day. Because in due season, we will reap if we faint not. So whatever you do, you got to always do good. I got to always be better than the other person. We got to be the, the better person. We got to be the believer that put forth the word, that lift people up and not bring them down. These are the people that we enjoy being around. And some people, next principle, some people, we just tolerate them. People that subtract something from life. They don't add anything to us. So what we do, we got to deal with them every day. So what we do, we just tolerate them. That's all we do, just tolerate them. We We don't add anything to the relationship. We just tolerate this type of person. And some people we value. And people that multiply things in our life, they multiply things. These are, these are the people that actually work. Anybody can go and add something to, uh, to a situation or, or, or to a problem. Anyone can, can do that. But when you multiply, you have to make a concerted effort. You have to make a conscious effort to do it each and every day. When you multiply in a situation, it's something you have to work on. It's something you have to think about. It's something you have to give thought to. Say, okay, I'm going to do this today because I want to lift this person up. And those are the people that we value in our lives because they add value to us. Like a husband and wife team, my wife, I pray for her every morning. She pray for me every morning. We add value to each other. And it's it's concerted effort to ensure that I have the things that I need throughout the day and she has the things that she needs throughout the day because we make an effort at it. It's nothing that we do haphazard. We make an effort at it. And the fourth, some people divide something in life. And those are the folk, at all costs, we avoid. Because someone to add division in your life is intentionally trying to add that division. Those are the ones that will lie on you. 
Those are the ones that would, that, that would cause you to look bad because they want to look good. And they do it purposely. So those are the people that we need to avoid in our lives. We need to just avoid them. But as a believer, we need to bring everyone that we're surrounded with, we need to control the situation. We need to control the atmosphere. We need to bring everyone to a higher level because it's what we're supposed to do. You know, and being a lifter, being a person that lifts people up around you, you know, we have to commit, number one, we have to commit ourselves daily for encouragement. We have to know the difference that separates hurting people and helping people. And we have to initiate the positive into a negative environment. But last but not least, we have to understand that life is not a dress rehearsal. When we go through life, it is what we are meant to do. We are meant to help people. We are meant to lift people up. We are meant to... to, to, to to control the situation and get God involved. You know, like what's happening in the world now, the church has to step up because we're the one that the people look to. We're the one that, 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 that solves the problems. Because, you know, if you think about it, if people at work know that you're a believer, they will seek you out when things go wrong in their lives. You don't have to look for them. They will seek you out. Say, hey, would you please just pray for me or, or, or give me a word of encouragement. And we have to be there for them. We have to be the one. We have to lay down that hammer. We have to lay down that hammer. We can't nail our relationships on anytime anything happens. We can't use a hammer. Like, I, I used to build a lot, and, I, I, and if, the, if the only tool I had was a hammer, then I'm hitting everything like a nail. So we have to lay that hammer down and put on our velvet gloves and take control of the situation and take control of the world because that's what we are here to do. Like they said this morning that when, in morning prayer that we are the body. Christ is the head. So we have to do everything that the body is supposed to do to take care of the thing that Christ would have done if he was physically here on this earth. It is our responsibility. Let us stand. You might not be that person with that hammer, but you know somebody that got the hammer. So if you feel this morning that some things you need to lay down, some things you need to lay down in your, in, in, in your relationships, some things you need to give up, you're bickering, making a mountain out of molehill, or, or, or just wanting to win every argument for the sake of argument and cause dissension in, re, in your relationships. You know, let's pray this morning that we can lay those things down, that we can take that hammer and trade it in for velvet gloves, that we can treat everybody with love. Because love conquers all. Love covers a multitude of sins, especially with your your loved ones. 
you know, we, 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 we want to be that person to control the whole situation. But sometimes we got to let love prevail. Let love prevail in our relationships. So let us pray. Father, this morning, we just thank you. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for our relationships, that we can use your principles and your word to follow to foster a, 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 a sense of glory in our relationships, that our relationships be glorified, Father, and you receive the glory for it. In all that we do and all that we accomplish, Father, that you be glorified in it, that we know to say the right thing at the right time, and, Father, to make the right moves and not, our, not let our actions, Father, uh, uh, convert or, or, or amplify a situation. And, Father, we think that we rely totally on you. And we give you all praise and all glory and all honor. Father, bridle our tongues. Father, let us take that time to be prompted by the Holy Spirit. Let us be sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit that we know what to do and when to do it. And, Father, we thank you that we are open to you. And we are sensitive to your promptings. As we go forth from this week, Father, we'll take a conscious interest, Father, that we do the right things at the right time. And, Father, that we say the right things at the right time. And, Father, we don't say the things that will cause a situation. We lay those things aside. And, Father, consider the other person. And, Father, we thank you. We bless you and we praise you. Because truly our Lord and our God, and besides you there is none other. And, Father, we yield to you right now our thoughts. We yield to you right now our actions. And, Father, that you will control us, that we will be sensitive and follow the Holy Spirit on this upcoming week. And we give you all praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen.